0: welcome back to look ma no hands i'm your host laura max rose and i'm joined today by the magical unicorn that is denise hamilton she is the founder of watch her work and as she describes it she spends her time Curating Female Brilliance. I couldn't be more excited to talk to you today, Denise. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Oh my gosh, thanks so much for inviting me.
0: You founded Watch Her Work. to get, it's, it's a platform with all of the advice one could possibly need if they, for example, need to tell their boss they're pregnant, need to ask for a raise, have a client or a colleague that's hitting on them. And not only that, but you don't have just one person giving this advice. You have thousands of interviews i think on on watcherwork.com because as you like to describe it we can't all get our advice from Cheryl Sandberg. She Absolutely. wrote, <laughs> Right? We can't. She wrote Lean In. It was supposed to be this Bible for all of us to get um, the advice that we need to excel in our careers as women, especially as women with children. And we quickly learned that not all of us have the means that she has. Not all of us have the life experience that she has. Not all of us have the perspective that she has. So you figured that out quite early. And you cultivate all of these female opinions and pieces of advice from women from all different types of cultures and backgrounds and experiences, um, which is just absolutely brilliant. What gave you this idea in the first place?
1: You know, I, because I had been the only African American or the only woman in so many situations, I became kind of a lightning rod for mentees. Everybody went to pick my brain. Can I take you to lunch? I could have had coffee 11 times a day. And I was like, this is broke. Something yeah. about this is broken. Like <clears throat> we're expecting this really small group of women who are in these successful positions, now they're in charge of equality. And I was like, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like this small group of us and thousands and thousands of women who are looking for mentorship, looking for growth, looking for good advice and the the numbers didn't work out like there's no way because because the truth of the matter is is women at this level especially if they have children they they're breathing their own rare air like they don't get to see their own kids let alone they have the responsibility of being in charge of your career so i thought like this is really imbalanced and it's really um not productive the other piece of it that i thought was like super interesting was the the reality that there's a million questions i don't want to ask a mentor Right. I just don't, you know, if you, They're s- too personal. I slept, I slept or- with John in accounting and now he's going <laughs> around the office and telling everyone, am I really gonna go and call the mentor that the company assigned me and say, Hey, I cried in that meeting yesterday because I was so upset. And like, what do I do tomorrow? Like, I don't want to ask And that in a question. lot of ways, the
0: dynamic with a mentor that you have that's assigned to you at work is someone whose respect you're still seeking after. So to ask them such a personal question it's not going to be something that you want to do. And And we live in this age of Instagram where now we can be a little bit more transparent, I think, but you did all this before that, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty revolutionary.
1: Yeah. And I also think that, um, I, I, the, the cost of not asking that question right like because that's really what we're talking about if if I am I, if I want to zig and I'm supposed to zag and I don't have someone that can say whoa, whoa whoa don't do that whoa that's not the right approach whoa slow down then I'm gonna make consistent mistakes and that's how you your your um, career your your journey is retarded it's slowed down because you're not getting the advice and the wisdom that you need to make the right decisions at the right time. So I thought like you have to curate all of these different people who have all of these different experiences and can feed kind of those different points for different people. I'm 5'11", I have a heavy voice. I'm very extroverted. I
0: love your heavy voice.
1: It's easy, I I love yours too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's easy for me to say, you need to go in there and you need to tell him. But if I'm talking to a four foot nine Asian soft spoken woman who can't like... She I might as well tell her to fly because that's not what that's not her way. So she has to see people like me, but then she also has to see people like her handle these different situations. So that's why we film so many people. And we have, you know, one question and 10 different people answer the question because guess what? People are different.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you said that because you just solved a question I think I've been asking myself for so long. When people come and ask me for advice, I always have that moment where I think, okay, I'm going to give you advice from my perspective and based off of my experiences, which I already know aren't yours. And this might be very challenging advice for you to take, especially if I'm being really assertive. I am a very assertive person. So I have that shy friend who's asking me for relationship advice with someone who isn't treating her properly. And and here I am just saying, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to say. Well, if she could do and say all that so easily. She probably wouldn't be in the situation that she was in. Denise is nodding as I'm talking. You can't see her, but but she wouldn't be in that situation. And perhaps that's not the best advice for her. We take different types of steps to get to the same place, but we need to give people guidance based off of where they're at. And I'm not necessarily capable of doing all that. That's why I started this show because I wanted to bring all these different perspectives on different types of journeys of motherhood together. Um, we're all having different experiences and we all have different truths
1: and oh my gosh when you talk when it comes to motherhood talk about everybody having an opinion about the way it must be done right it's a hotbed for opinion it's a hotbed right and we have a million experts especially people who don't have kids I, I love that that's, oh. the, that's my best that's, the, that's my favorite but I think that that there's you have to have discernment and you have to have a filter through which you run every piece of advice that you get, you know, like they, I've got friends who have stay at home husbands. I've got friends who um, took their kids out of school and they, they traveled the world for six months. So they, you know, like everybody, you can do it the way you want to do it. Right. The whole idea is to, to seek wisdom, to seek, and that that's an important part of watcher work too. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge, and we live in a time that knowledge is very valued. It's very it's having highly the information. prized. Are, do you know how to work this app? Are you tech savvy? Are you de- knowledge is very prized. It's not the same as wisdom. Mm. It's not the same as like you know how do I handle this situation? How do I know when to respond instead of react? How do I manage these situations? How do I keep aligned around what? my ultimate goals are that's not the same as like how do i work this phone it's right. just not the same skill set and so i wanted to cultivate that and to capture that like our motto at watcher work is we help women go further faster i love it right i just i just want you to skip the line i don't want you to make the same mistakes that 20 other people have already made like we don't have to we can capt- capture that information and share it with you so that you can have that genius kind of rolling around in your brain when you hit that situation. Well,
0: I love the focus on discernment as well, because if you do have a stay at home husband um, and you go to your friend who has a working husband who stays at home herself and thinks that that dynamic is the only dynamic that should exist. Um, You're probably going to get some advice that's either really going to hurt you or not be for you. And I think as we get older, we learn more and more, okay, there are certain types of people who can give me feedback on certain types of things and certain people who can't. Then you have social media and Instagram where it's all coming at you. And you have to figure out a way to filter that yourself. Everybody is living their life in a different way based off of what works for them. And that's not necessarily what's going to work for you, especially as a mother. We look at -at stay-at-home moms, working moms, people in the middle, work-at-home moms. There's all this comparison that's constantly going on. But at the end of the day, we have to do what really works for us. And you give women advice on those choices through Watch Her Work as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And I say that one of my kind of famous sayings I say all the time is, I think the world is divided up into two types of people, creators and critics. Mm. and you if you're a creator you are looking for new innovative ways to do things you are executing you're trying brave moves and you're putting yourself out there you cannot take advice from critics critics are people that sit on the sidelines they're consumers and we love consumers of what we create but they're not the people to advise you and so that concept is in motherhood is not entrepreneurship isn't like if you're a person that is a a, builder, a maker an innovator you have to seek out relationships with those people because their feedback means something. I just I really screen out that's why social media is so debilitating. I speak I probably spoke to I mean almost 150,000 people last year. Wow um, as a professional speaker and um, after I speak I'll, you know invariably there's maybe 50 women, a 100 women waiting to talk to me afterwards. 80% of them say the same thing. I'm afraid to start. What if I fail? I don't know what I should do. I don't it's so much self-doubt. Social media is an amazing tool. It's a it's amazing. Yeah. But
0: it is stunting and trapping people it's paralyzing it's us. paralyzing and we us. think that we need everything to be perfect i have Ugh. definitely fallen victim to that trap of just thinking if something isn't perfectly curated i'm not ready to put it out there and it it stifles me it stifles so many of us well we don't let ourselves be beginners
1: right like you have to have you have to start at a d and work to a c plus and work to a b minus wasn't built in a day nobody was built in a day and we have this like just add water kind of you know you get a logo and slap it on a lunchbox and you're a brand that's not
0: true it's sort of like everything's supposed to be like this get rich quick scheme but we forget did you see that the golden globes they did the montage tribute to ellen and like they got to they showed you her entire journey to where she is today she's just a force today but we forget that she went through a time where she was like totally unemployed and didn't know what was going to happen in her life after her show went off the air because she came out. I mean, that happened to her. And all we see now is the final product. And with so many people on social media, all we see is the final product. Is the perfect
1: photoshopped airbrushed picture. They took 10,000 pictures to get the seven that you see on that page. Exactly. And you're at home with your kid who's having a meltdown. It's not real. And it makes you doubt yourself. It makes you question what you're doing. I mean, like it's the Pinterest of it all. Right. Why don't I have tagged, color coded, perfectly organized pantry shelves? Like, I mean, like it just you cannot be (laughs) it's physically impossible to be perfect or even excellent across a 100 different dimensions.
0: It makes you unhappy with your life, too.
1: It's not possible. Right. It's not. It's impossible. And so what I see is instead of like and this is specifically true for entrepreneurs, you gotta pick where you're gonna be excellent, and I think it's true for motherhood too. You gotta pick where you're gonna be excellent, and you gotta pick a couple things that are just gonna be good enough.
0: Oh, you talked to me about you talked on this video about just stepping over the laundry. Oh my Tell gosh. me about that. I oh love my gosh. that story. So
1: my husband has a superpower. He I love it. is magical. He really has the ability to not see the laundry. <laughs> he just doesn't see <laughs> it. I think a it. lot of
0: people listening to this so, have husbands with that same superpower.
1: So my so I will put the laundry at the bottom of the stairs, thinking, oh, he'll see it and he'll carry it upstairs. And he steps right over, he comes upstairs, I'm like, Where's the laundry? And he says, What laundry? He literally did not see it. He has ability to be so like he's focused on what he's doing. And it was a point of great contention for us. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how do you not see the dishes in the sink? How do you not see the blah, blah, blah? Like, you know, I would just pick at him. And then I had to stop and say, wait a minute. I I might need to learn something from him because his, his ability to focus on what he's doing means he finishes it. There's a concept. He actually executes it, and he executes it at a high level. And I think sometimes we need to channel that and step over the laundry. Who cares if your children are happy, if they are kind, if they are smart, if they are learning, if they are growing – If the playroom is a mess, who's going to, I mean, is somebody going to die? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not important. People don't take, they don't, they don't do the things they want to do because they're so worried about what it looks like, what it looks like to other people. And it's like, you have to be laser focused on what is the most important thing to you, and that means a couple things are going to have to suffer. And, and in entrepreneurship, that's particularly true. Because if I try to focus on everything, I focus on nothing. nothing and we keep done. on
0: seeing people whose lives seem like perfectly curated on every level. Everything's clean. They're having a great time with their kids. They have a great career. Marriage is great. Like, And there's it doesn't make any sense because we all know if we've lived our lives in any day, we know that you can only focus on so many things per day and actually do them well. And I love that you saw your husband stepping over the laundry and after getting very frustrated, realized, okay, this might be one of his superpowers that he has such laser focus. I think that's such a great lesson in marriage as well. We've all had the frustrating laundry battle. At least I have. And I also started seeing, oh, you know, my husband's actually like way more patient than I ever could be with my, with me, with our children, because he doesn't let these little things bother him all the time. I'm always cleaning and I'm scrubbing. Everything has to be clean and I get very controlling. And I can see that since he doesn't let those things gnaw at him, he has so much more patience. And I can appreciate that now. And I like that you took that lesson, you know, the stepping over the laundry and said, Okay, actually how can I incorporate that more in my life? How can I use it to bring me more joy?
1: that's how I approach everything. Like you should be able to learn from everyone around you and pull those lessons, extract those lessons and figure out how to be better. I, I look at winners. I look at people that I think of as successful and I try to identify the core traits that help them to be successful. Right. And that's really like at watcher work. That's what I always want to do. I want to be able to Find that that person that's naturally organized. And that's a great, that's a gift. But that person who's not organized, but is still if they're not naturally like instinctively organized, but they still figure out a way to keep their life in order. I'm actually more interested in them because you have to f- understand that people have different personalities. They're all different, and we and I and I think that there's a it's a it's a uniquely American way of approaching life is that you're supposed to be all things to all people and that's all the not, time. That's not one. really how we're built. We're built with a set of giftedness. Right? Like right. everybody has their gifts. Some people are super organized. Some people are super creative. Some people are super um, neat. Some people are super smart. Some people are super um, just uh, kind and gentle with people. Be- like everybody's got their gifts. And we have diminished that. Right? We diminished. If you can't do it all, you can't do anything. And I'm like, where do we get that from? Like, I think I am an excellent dynamic speaker, and people bring me in and pay me lots of money to get on stage and speak. But Lord help me, I am not exactly sure where my phone is all day long. Oh, I'm know. exactly <laughs> sure. You know, did I pay that bill? Like I am the most disorganized person. And that's okay. We've
0: uh, stopped knowing that that's okay. That's
1: oh, and it has to be
0: okay. Because why I don't, do you need to know where your phone is when you are giving these incredible speeches? Like everyone has strengths and weaknesses, right? It's like being average at something is the worst
1: thing in the world you could be. And where did that come from? I don't know. I'm supposed to be a rock star in my gifts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to be good
0: at everything. You are exactly who you're meant to be. You're exactly who you're meant to one be. Of you.
1: And when you spend all of your energy trying to perfect your weaknesses, you're not designed to impact the world through your weaknesses. You're designed to impact
0: the world through your strengths. You are not designed to impact the world through your weaknesses. I'm writing that down in my head. Wow. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately on a personal level because I've noticed how much my own habits have been affected by who I follow on social media. I am not a very naturally clean person, but suddenly being clean is so, it's of the utmost importance to me. It's like how I rate how I'm doing that day. And- I'm wasting my energy. Like Things can be just clean enough. They don't have to be spotless. That's not what I'm good at. And I'm good at so many other things. And to put my focus on those things, that's who I'm meant to be in this world. Somebody else is meant to be really clean and give really great cleaning advice. That's not me. I'm meant to do other things. I'm meant to share different gifts with the world. And that's exactly how it's supposed to be. You talked about people lining up and saying, "Like I can't do this because it has to be perfect. And how do I even start? What about people who look at this oversaturated world we live in and say, there's already somebody doing what I do?
1: It's such a strange question. And people ask me that all the time. And I don't, I don't really understand it. So I am obsessed with Chinese food. I love okay. Chinese. I never met a Chinese meal that I did not enjoy. I'm with you on that. I love Chinese food. Shout out to Fufu Cafe on Bel Air. have Cafe. Foo Foo what Cafe about Ocean Belli- Palace? Ocean the- Palace is okay. really good. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm all about, okay, I'm now all I about want Chinese things, food. right? Yeah. And if one, and there's a million Chinese restaurants in Houston, Texas. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. You're right. Absolutely. If one opens up two blocks from here, like we'd go, I'd call you, Laura. Yeah. you want to go get some Chinese food? And we would go. Like, we wouldn't be like, no, no. There's already too many. There's already too many. Like, that's not even how we think. Like, if you put yourself out there and you're talented and you have a set of giftedness, you can find an audience.
0: Yeah. I mean, period. And there are more people in the world now than there used to be. So we need more talent. Like, that makes sense.
1: How many customers can you even serve? That's what I always think. Sometimes, like, Well, I'm a consultant and I know there's so many consultants. You could only do, if you're a good consultant, four or five companies or clients at a time. In the billions of people on the planet, you don't think you can find five people? Like, it's right. just a strange... That is a really good perspective. But it's a strange way that... that um, It really is kind of adjacent to this idea of perfection and I have to be the best. You don't have to be the best. You know what you have to do? You have to execute. You have yeah. to do it. You know how many people don't actually do it? They don't actually show up. I'm obsessed with Madonna because I think she's kind of a horrible singer. <laughs> but... I love that she's very average. She's at best. She is decidedly average. At best. But her will, her intensity, her desire, her commitment. That's why we know her name today. Like it's not like she's not Whitney Houston. Right. right? She's not. But she made as much money as she did. How is that possible? It's because she just believed and she executed she stepped into the field. She stepped onto the. It stepped into the arena, right? Yeah. And I think that that we really underestimate how many people talk about doing things versus how many people actually do it. So if you've got an idea, you've got something you want to bring to the world, like just do it. Just Don't. Do it. It's all the excuses. And sometimes I hate to say this, you know, it's it's a it's a harsh concept, but I believe in that we all have homeostasis in our lives, right? We all have a balance. And you remember homeostasis from ninth grade biology, right? The The cell maintains a pH balance, it lets stuff out, it lets stuff in to maintain average, right? If you are, in your body does the same thing. If you're hot, what do you do? You sweat. If you're cold, what do you do? You shiver. Things level out now. Everything is designed to keep you average. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I think our lives are exactly the same way. They're designed to keep us regular and to keep us average. And it's a Herculean feat to step out of what's expected of you and to do something creative, fresh, innovative. That's why you have to be careful about the voices. And they may be the people that love you the most. Nobody can keep you regular like your mom. Or like your husband, <laughs> right? Don't take, don't quit that good job. Right. I don't know if you do, if he, you better oh, you better true. go with him because you you don't know who else is gonna ask you to marry him. That's safety. you don't know who like you like they're and they love you and they want you to be safe and they want you to be secure. But what do they say? Ships are safest in the port, but that's not what ships are for. No, it's not. You are designed to sore and to do something great and something incredible and your environment sometimes tells you, you can't do that.
0: You have to do it this way. Well, someone once told me actually about the mind's homeostasis as well, that when we have spent our entire life at a certain level of happiness, perhaps it's a lack of happiness and something really great happens to us, our mind will find something to cancel that out, to keep us level, to keep us even. And I think just being aware of that helps us let go of it and helps us get to a new, to, to deeper heights, to greater heights. And you um, also talk about, speaking of biology, I guess we're going to talk about homogeneity, which is something else you talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You were on a video talking about how you went to predominantly white college and that all the black kids sat together at one table. You you said... they what was what how did you describe it? <laughs> they huddled together for warmth. They huddled together for warmth. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. And that often, you know, one of the white kids would come up to you and say, Why are you guys all sitting together? And you would turn it around and you would say, Why do you guys all sit together? And what is what is the answer to why do we do that?
1: I think we're tribal, right? Yeah. Everybody wants a shorthand. That's right. really what when you talk about diversity, when you talk about inclusion, really we should get rid of all of those terms and just talk about like commonality and talk about the fact that we all want a shorthand if we all went to the same kind of school we were in the same kind of sorority the same kind of organizations when we have the same background group in the same kind of neighborhood there's a whole bunch of jokes i could tell and i don't even i can say it it's like name that tune i can do it in five notes because we have all of this common story but when you have two people who have really different backgrounds now I got to do 25 notes because you don't know what I mean when I say Tory Burch sandals. You don't know what I mean when I say, you know, let's go to Tulum. And people further.
0: would rather, rather avoid that.
1: Of course. It's easier. Right. Their studies studies show, they've done countless studies that show that homogeneous groups make faster decisions and they're happier with them. Now they might be wrong. Right. They're probably wrong yeah but they' they made them faster and they were happier with them so let's talk th- let's think about that so we talk a lot about how diversity um, is gonna yield a better product but we don't talk about the difficulty of it the difficulty is it's a better product but it's a harder process because I have to listen to you I have to take in account your position maybe you say something I don't like maybe you say something that goes against everything I've thought for 50 years now I have to like, you know, my home my homeostasis kicks in, right? right? Like, wait, no. No, no. Police are things good. Things police here. are good. I'm telling you, no, no, no. Sometimes police plant drugs on people. And you're like, wait, but I grew up watching Andy Griffith and And wanna all- believe that police and, are. And good. cops always help you. They're always they're your friend. My mom told me if I'm ever in trouble, go talk to the cop. Like, you know, all of those stories are playing in your head when you hear this story, this really disparate story. And if you can't reconcile that, it's easy to say, well, that's not true.
0: Well, I think we're doing that a lot right now, because there's a lot happening in our world that is really, really painful. And it's so hard to absorb. And we're just trying to protect ourselves. And we're saying, well, no, no, this is what my mom told me. And this is how I was raised. And I just don't believe that.
1: If you have to be a free thinker, and that's almost impossible, because we all have all of this baggage of all of these stories and all of these concepts, and you have to release it. You have to, it's really hard, but that is really the work of all of us as human beings is to suspend, you know, I, when I, the first thing I say when I get on stage is like, don't believe everything you think right don't believe everything you think it, it may not be right it may not be true allow yourself to truly listen to other people and I think for for mothers this is a particularly powerful concept you know I have two brothers um one older one younger and I feel like we are all like the milkman's baby because we could not be more different like our so funny personalities the way we look at the world the way we think about things each one of us is profoundly different and we're very different from my mom. And so she had to really like listen to each one of us and figure out what feeds us, what motivates us, what moves us, what catalyzes us because we're all different. And I think sometimes even the parenting advice that we get is, you know, treat all the kids the same. Don't have a favorite. Make sure you, you know, you're like, it's not like that. All kids aren't the same. All kids aren't the same. Especially
0: when we only have one. I mean, I know when I had my first daughter, I had a lot of very generalized advice for new moms. And then I had my second daughter and it was a completely different experience. And I thought, oh my God, I feel so bad for all the advice that I gave based off of my experience with one kid. We're all so different. And that was actually very freeing. Oh, okay. Like, this is why, you know, this experience was difficult and this wasn't. And this is why this person was having an easier time than me. And this person was having a harder time than me. Because even though we're all mothers, we're all dealing with different children. We're all having different kinds of experiences. And that's why comparing ourselves to each other, I think, is so harmful so harmful and and judging each other is so
1: harmful like we're all in the same race we're all in the same gang and what we want we want is happy children right that and are I productive think, and they can face the world like that's what we want
0: you know we do that i think to protect ourselves from the idea that any of those painful things could ever happen to us the yeah. woman who i interviewed last week on the show Mary Beth archidiacono she was in a car accident with her four children 21 years ago and one of them died and the other one experienced very traumatic brain injury. And he's thriving today, but she did lose one of her children. And in that accident, they were ejected from the car. And everyone started talking about how they weren't wearing seatbelts. The car was actually defective. They were wearing seatbelts. And It was a problem with the car that they were ejected and the seatbelts stayed fastened while the kids were ejected from the car. I think everyone, I mean, who talks about someone whose kid just died and starts gossiping about them? That's somebody who just wants to think, okay, I will always keep my kids in their seatbelts and this will never happen to me And as long as I don't do what that woman did. I won't have to experience what she experienced. That wasn't even true. But we just want to protect ourselves from thinking that these painful things could ever happen to us. And it's so expensive. Oh, it is. It's a really expensive
1: thought process because it means that you're not, you can't possibly be gentle with yourself if you're that harsh and unkind to other people. Yeah. If if that constant, like what I say, creators and critics, you, you have to like, that has to eat away at your soul. You know, I remember hearing stories of, of people who would be racing to work and they, you know, maybe mixed up their, shook up their routine, The routine changed in some way and they left the baby in the car and went into the office and the baby died because they were sitting in a hot car for four hours. And people, you know, oh my God, how could you do that? How could you forget your baby car? Like, they're tired. They're overworked. They're Ugh. over. There's there's so little support for parents yeah. in our time I mean really I mean my daughter's much older she's 25 at this point but I I really feel like there's all of this increased pressure. I
0: think the judgment's gotten worse because it's, of the increased pressure. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful.
1: So people are working more if they're a working parent uh, outside the home. They're working more. There's a constant 24-hour demand. Yeah. You're getting an a, a email at 6 o'clock in the morning and you think you're supposed to respond to it right there or 10 o'clock at night and you're getting up to do whatever. So we're never like really off never really like rested so we walk around with a constant state of depletion yeah. a constant state of you're all everybody's
0: kind of at 53 percent nobody's like on their a-game do you remember like the way that it was because you were a working professional 20 years ago was it different it was wildly different okay you have to tell me about that i
1: mean i think it's this 24-hour access this 24-hour
0: onness. ness yeah. i mean like we're never bored did people feel like did it seem like people had more energy and more focus it did they were like, they were more prepared for the day. Yeah.
1: I think, I think like even the experience of standing in line at the post office or standing in line at the supermarket, you were bored. Your yeah. mind was wandering. You were thinking, you were looking at your world. Now everybody's on their phone.
0: And now I have to tell you, I find it harder to be in those situations, just profoundly difficult. I treated myself to some eyelash extensions for the new years. They look smashing Anyone following by the way. me on Instagram. I have some people are like, Whoa, mama, those are really long. But hey, I'm having a lot of fun with them. Thank you. And I did it. I did it very randomly. This woman was doing eyelash extensions in the same salon where I was getting my hair done. I thought, Okay, I'll go do that. I said, I'm laying down. My phone is in the other room where the hair salon was. And I said, how long is this going to take? And she said, an hour. And I just felt myself go, oh, my God, I'm going to be laying here in silence for an hour by myself without my phone. Like, can I go get my phone? Then I realized even if I could get my phone, I couldn't see my phone. Well, then you could be on listening to right? something
1: else or you could be it's, it's listening just, to a podcast, listening to you music, have to constantly be productive. And that's not how we're built. no. That's not how we're built. I want you to really think about, like, who are the two greatest scientists of the last, you know, century and a half or so? Our most profound theories, theory of relativity and and really gravity. Right. Right. Sir Isaac Newton and Einstein. What did they have in common? Free time.
0: They had a lot of free time.
1: Einstein was underemployed. He was a patent clerk. He was wildly underemployed. So he was bored to tears. He wrote the theory of relativity. All these theories that we know of from Einstein were written in letters in his free time to his friends. I had no idea. That's very Sir Isaac good in Newton, information. Sir Isaac Newton was sequestered because of the plague. So he was locked up. He couldn't figure anything out. There was nothing else to do. He's locked in the house. They couldn't leave. Huh things fall, how are they fall? If And like, that's how we got the theory of gravity. You
0: have to be bored. Well, how do we cultivate boredom in this world that we live in where we always have our phones? I mean, I've been asking myself that question a lot lately. I'm trying to be without my phone, you know, after dinner and until the morning and be with my kids in the morning without my phone. It's so hard to stick to those types of commitments. You have to though. You have to, you have to,
1: you have to to go to the park. And, And I'll tell you, I work a lot with high school students and college students. They have no eye contact. Their ability to communicate is deteriorating, and I can say that in the last three to five years, not twenty years, the last three to five, really? where they cannot sit with you and have a conversation, look you in the eye, ask you questions, answer questions, maintain eye contact. It is a real that's terrifying challenge. So, especially is is for the parents that are listening, the mothers that are listening, like make sure your parent your children are talking to you, looking at you. That the there's a there's a price to that screen time. And Mm -hmm. I want to make an observation. Just one drop something real quick. Go ahead. In Silicon Valley, the most expensive private schools are tech free they're tech free even so these the people, people who've invented who invented these apps invented these tools yeah. do not have their kids immersed in them 24 hours a day the way they want us to be so i'm just saying if they don't do it for their children and they know more about this than you and i do we should be really careful about the amount of screen time we're exposing our kids to they're not learning to self-soothe no. They're not learning to calm themselves down, to sit quietly and read a book. It doesn't have to be on a Kindle. It can be an actual book where they turn pages. Like they have to be able to entertain themselves. They have to be able to create. And we have to let our kids draw that ugly picture
0: and not correct them and all not the time. Correct them. Oh my all the God, time. the way that we correct our children—like, can you draw inside the lines more? Can you do this? How about just like acknowledging? It is so important to let our kids just make mistakes and let them just have like be bored. I I also I'm shocked because I sort of prided myself on the fact that my my kid doesn't know how to unlock my cell phone. She doesn't know how to use my cell phone. She's three and a half. My older kid. Um, she doesn't have an iPad. She doesn't have any of this stuff. I really thought I was doing a great job with all that. And someone approached me. I think this was like almost a year ago. So she was not even three yet. And said, you know, you need to be teaching her how to do that stuff so that she can thrive in the world that she's going to grow up in. She needs to know how to use a phone. She needs. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, I learned. I mean, I learned how to use a computer in computer class in first grade, and it was just that one class that I had once a week. And now, you know, I I live in this world. I've evolved with technology, but I wasn't exposed to any technology before I was six. And I just I'm not. I'm, I'm shocked that I was asked to prioritize like my kid knowing how to unlock my cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm grateful she has no idea how to unlock my cell phone. But it's not always looked at that way. And even as we're applying her to different schools, that so she's going to be in preschool, um, just having to ask questions about how much screen time she's going to be exposed to this is being taught in school as something that's going to help her, you know, be a thriving adult one day. But I'm I'm like, "Hey, why why does she need this? Like she needs to sit around and like scribble and be bored and figure out how to put blocks together." And this is what these tech mo- tech icons in Silicon Valley are doing. They're not they're not letting their kids play with these screens and What you were saying about the eye contact, like I notice it every day. I notice it in three-year-olds. And it's not because they're necessarily on their phones. It's because we are. Absolutely. We're on our phones Mm -hmm. all the time. And like we're not engaging with them and teaching them how to do stuff because we're on our phone. And I would
1: also extend that thought. As we're looking at high school and college, the problem that we're seeing is we have a lot of people that are tech familiar but they're not tech savvy. They're not really knowledgeable. They know how to download an app. They know how to whatever. They don't know how to build anything. They don't know how to create anything. They don't know how to solve problems. They're not, they don't know how to do research and collect the data that they need to execute a project, but they do know how to play Fortnite. Like, (laughs) That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. It's My husband not... was telling
0: me about that the other day that we think that we're so evolved in technology right now, but we've actually never been so stagnant. Never. There been hasn't so been like a new invention like the iPhone or something that's really changed society in a profoundly long time when you look at the history of human beings and how often we used to invent new things, new completely new things. There's we're completely stagnant as far as inventing new concepts and new ideas go because well, we're we... all playing with our candy crush
1: and we've outsourced innovation to other countries we're just consumers right so that's the that's the idea well your child really knows how and she needs to know how to consume this because their job (laughs) that's her job is to be a consumer you're not raising a consumer you're raising a creator right and so how do you learn to create solving problems hey take all this trash and build the top the tallest tower you can build like right like we don't Do that with our right now. It's here. Do this app and play this game. And I love technology. Clearly, I have a digital platform. I love technology, but I really feel like the difference between me and some other folks that create in this space is that I can do other things. (laughs) Not just
0: be on your phone. We
1: need you to do other, we need you to be a well-rounded individual. And that means talking to people, understanding where they're coming from, bringing, developing wisdom. Again, I don't just want to be, um, tech familiar, right? I want to be knowledgeable. And, and when you make a decision of how you're going to use technology, we, if we haven't learned anything at this point that, Technology without wisdom is disastrous. It's cost us really our democracy, to be honest with you. Amen. Um, so, so we still, it's like, do we still have, do we have to argue about this? Like you have to have a solid base before you use technology is just a tool. It's that's all it is. It's well, just a tool. Our
0: rates of depression as a society have never been higher. There are so many things that technology is doing that's detrimental to us. And I keep wondering, like, is the pendulum going to swing on this issue? Are we going to keep on immersing ourselves in technology to the point that we can't even interact with each other? Or are all of us going to wake up, as it seems like some of us are, and say, okay, this is a tool that has really helped us. These smartphones, social media has helped us, but it's not all good. And if we're going to have a thriving society, we need to correct the ways in which it's not like, is that going to happen? I ask myself that question all the time. What I think is going to happen is we just are creating a bigger
1: underclass Mm. people that are um, are moneyed, are wise, are protecting their kids or we're not over immersing their kids in technology, who are teaching them and exposing them to all these other things and developing those
0: skill sets more profoundly will just be in charge of everybody else. I think you're right. And I think that there's so much like that has so much to do with your amount of privilege that you have, like to be able to expose your kid to activities that aren't on their phone. You have to have money to be able to do that. You have to have money to be able to afford child care. And we're we've there's never been such a disparity between the rich and the poor in our country mm-hmm. ever and most people some a lot more people than not don't have a choice but to put a phone in front of their kid because they have to work on this project or do this to make money for their family and they don't have any type of support i mean i could talk about this all day but like it's going the gap is going to keep widening unless we do something to bring it together unless right. we, and we wake and up i
1: think we think it's cute i think the other like like explosion that um is a is a big trend that, that we've been talking quite a bit about is there's kind of an opt-out generation um these are kids that are mm, 18 to 25. they just they just stopped they just sleep on mom's couch they just they don't work or they work a bunch of dead-end jobs this is kids who are currently 18 to 25. 18 to 25 yeah and that the number of that population
0: has tripled in the last five years Really, I didn't even know about this. this it's is all it's a it's
1: it's a trend that's coming, that's growing, and, and they're
0: opting out of just the formalities of wh- life wh- in general. Like,
1: why would I, um, why would I move into an apartment with four roommates and struggle and scrape? I just I'm just gonna stay at mom's house. It's nicer here and I don't want people to know I'm poor and I'm, you know, living in this crappy apartment with a bunch of roommates. Like I rather post up at my mom's house and post Instagram she's got a pool. So why would I, why it's a failure to launch on steroids because everybody's comparing their lives on Instagram. And if I get a thousand dollars, I need to go buy this new bag. I don't need to save it to get my crappy apartment and start at the beginning. Nobody wants to start at D, Right. So if I can't leave my mom's house and go to something that just just like her house,
0: I'm just not going to leave.
1: And so that population is growing and growing and growing and growing.
0: What are we going to do with those folks? Right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I do. I do believe that the arc of what is it? The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Mm -hmm. So I apply that to every area of my life. This is a long journey that we're in the middle of. But I do believe that ultimately We will, there will be a greater good that will emerge from it. I think we're just in so many ways as a society right now, like going through the muddy water. Yeah. I think we're just not sure where we are. Yeah. I think we were like kids given these toys and we had no idea how much power they had. And now we got to figure out like how to regulate it because. We got people who are 18 to 25 years old who aren't moving out of their parents' house yeah. because their parents have a pool and they want to put that on Instagram. So like we have to correct that issue. It's like cigarettes, right? It's a much bigger issue, exactly but it like is like cigarettes. cigarettes. And we have we have come back from this type of thing mm-hmm. as a society. And I, I believe in us. I believe in us. I feel the despair that so many feel when I look at where we are right now. Um, and I just try to remember all of the things that we have overcome and I, I believe in us that we will overcome this, but I don't think we can do that without having these kinds of conversations. I don't think so either. And I think that we
1: need to like, again, there's that word again, discernment. You need to understand the difference between advice and examples and sales. Right. That person that's perfectly curated, perfectly quiet. They're selling you they're something. They're selling you something. That person is telling you, you have to have this new gadget or your life will never be the same. They're selling you something. like And and that's, that's a lesson that, You know, your parents as parents that we have the ability to teach our kids and letting them fail, letting them stumble, not swooping in and fixing the school project to make it perfect. No, let them get
0: in trouble.
1: Let them face consequences. When we swoop in and correct and fix, we tell them your effort wasn't good enough. That's so true. Your effort wasn't good enough. You can't do this without me. Is that the message we want to send them? no so what happens if they have a third grade project and they go in and it's just okay what happens they learn i have to work harder next time but that's not what we do we sit with them all night and make perfect little cutouts and make it and make it great and they think that they can't do anything they can't by themselves. do anything by themselves we're not so like there's opportunities with our children as parents to give them the wings Right. And it's counterintuitive because you think, well, I want to create comfort for them. But comfort is kind of the enemy. If you don't understand um, the difficulty it takes, the, the process that it takes and your ability to overcome that process and execute that process, you won't try or you won't succeed. That like that's the muscle like creation is a muscle right? Um, Success is a muscle and you have to develop it. And they may turn in a crappy project and they'll get to school and they'll see, you know, Tommy's project and it's way better. Oh, I should have tried harder.
0: Next time I'll try harder. Next time. And now it's looked at as like a failure on mom and dad's part. Like your kid doesn't do well on a school project and you as a parent need to like work harder at home with them on making that project better. But you need to let your kid fail. You need to let them
1: fail. You need to let them have something that they did and it needs to be great. And we need to tell them, this is awesome. You you did this by yourself. This is so great. Like that messaging tells them that they can try the next thing and the next thing. If everything that they do, we help them to the point that they don't feel like they can execute on their own. They end up on your couch till they're 35. Oh, we don't want that. No one wants that. No. No one wants that.
0: This is the longest interview I've ever done on Look Mono Hands. I could talk to you all day. This has been an amazing conversation and I hope everyone listening enjoyed it as much as I did. Denise, thank you so much for being on my show. And if people want more access to all of your wisdom, they can go to watchherwork.com and follow you on Instagram. What is your Instagram? Um, It is watchherwork.tv and my personal is at official Amazing. So you can do all those things, but make sure you also put down those phones, walk in the park take some time to just be a little bit bored and... Listen to the birds chirp. Absolutely. And I have a course
1: coming out pretty soon. It's called A Master Yourself, Master Your World. Ooh. And where
0: I talk about all of these things. So keep an eye out for that on WatchYourWork.com. I definitely will be. Thank you again, Denise. You've been listening to Look Mono Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose and we'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Mom, mom, mommy.